Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm Paul. And I'm Corey. And joining us today is actor, writer, and filmmaker Tim Carr. He's here to discuss his film production company, Parking Lot Films, and their many projects. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. How's everybody doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for joining. Everybody's great. You made me sound so important. I really appreciate that. I'm going to have you guys just follow me around all day. It's whenever you walk into a building. This is Tim Carr. Director. <laughs> Do you know who this is? You guys would be like my height men. That would be fantastic. So first off, um, what inspired you to get into filmmaking? It's a good question. Um, I think with I originally was wanted to do radio, um, kind of like you know you know we kind of like the same thing you guys are doing with the production. Um, I was real, I've always really been into music and I just figured I could talk and make jokes and maybe get some free records. And, uh, so it started with radio. That was it. And, uh, I'd started doing radio and it was really cool, but it's also one of those things where it kind of, it, it doesn't pay a whole lot. <laughs> so you kind of got to, you got to the top of the mountain. You're like, this is it. Um, and, uh, and that's not to say the money's everything, but, uh, I worked for a, a, a local radio station around here. It was called, well, Q102. I might as well just put them on blast. Um, and there was a time where it was, you know, production guys and, uh, DJs, they would come out and they would hit me up for money. I'm like, dude, I don't have any money. <laughs> if you guys don't have any money, we're all doomed. Um, but, uh, little, I mean, with the radio, with the writing and the producing and things like that, it, it kind of got me interested in some other other levels of, uh, of, of, of media. And, uh, there was at that point in Baltimore, Maryland, there was, I guess you send your picture in and you could maybe be an extra on homicide life on the street, which was a uh, show for NBC in, uh, I guess the nineties. And uh, I put my, sent my picture in for that. And, uh, what happened was they would call me and then I started using, um, multiple episodes that kept bringing me back in. So I was able to get my SAG card that way. And uh, little by little, it was just like it was definitely like a snowball. It started off really small and started just working its way down that way. Um, and then I just started to enjoy myself with the with with the acting. And um, from that point, the filmmaking hadn't come yet, but I was getting cast a lot as guy number two, or brother, you know, or soldier number forty-two, you know. Like so, I figured if there was going to be a chance where I could maybe do more, and I would never, I would never. Uh, um, hate on anybody who was giving me a role even if it was you know soldier number 42 but if there was a way for i was going to differentiate myself and maybe do a little more in this business and i knew i had to start kind of creating my own content and uh that's where i just started writing i started getting involved in other things and uh and that's kind of what kicked off the whole filmmaking aspect of it very cool it's like kind of have to diversify and see what you like best and what works yeah that's kind of how it went it was definitely trial and error i feel like uh you know some people have those first kind of breaks I feel like I had to like I, I had a, just a every single thing I had to start off with where I knew absolutely nothing and had to just humbly work my way up. And that's you know maybe that was the best way to do it, um, but that's that's definitely you know I started off um, with I don't even think I had a headshot when I was setting it down to homicide. I think it was a I think it was a picture like I was at lunch like it was like a <laughs> just a picture and I cut somebody out and I sent that in. Yeah, like, so, I mean, everything started off in very 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 rock bottom and i had to work my way up send them a picture of you eating a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i might even i might have and I, I can't even guarantee i cut out my lunch they might have seen what i was eating for lunch um it was but i mean really it was that low like i started off that low and just and that's how it was for writing for everything like writing wise i didn't know how to format a script so i mean it was just like 
300 pages of like double spaced, you know, Microsoft. It was like every single thing had to be some sort of lesson I had to learn to kind of keep moving forward and up and upward on that sort of that sort of front. So since you've worked so many different jobs in filmmaking, um, actor, writer, director, what would you say is your favorite job in um, making films? Wow. You know, there is so many good things that come with each one of them. And, and I'm not saying that to, to not answer your question. Um, when you're an actor, when you're just showing up, um, you just show up, you know, you work with great people, you work with great directors, you work with great writers and crew. And when you're done, you're done. You can go home. You know, um, when you're directing, you're there for everything. You know, I, 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 there's times where I would put in, you know, 12 hour days, 15 hour days, um, cause you're there, you have to supervise, you have to make sure everything is, is going exactly according to plan. And there's always some kind of curveball, whether it's a camera not working or sound, um, or something else. And, you know, it, you have to be on top of that and you have to have an answer for everything. Um, but so, I mean, that can be, that can be rewarding. Yeah, but it's also, you know, those days are those are longer, more fulfilling days. Um, writing is great in the way where it's so self-loathing. And now you guys are you guys are involved in, in, in kind of the writing writing stuff too, right? You know how there's an element of you write a joke and you feel good about it, and then you read it again and you hate yourself. Oh yeah, um, so, yeah, oh yeah. I yeah. So that. writing is it's it's yeah, it's so much time self-loathing, and you're also alone a lot through it. Um, I mean, there's times where it's two in the morning. And I'm just trying to make a, I'm trying to write a line. I'm trying to write dialogue. I'm trying to just make something that's compelling and it might work. It might not work, but you really just, you beat yourself up so much and then you finish it. And then all of a sudden it be, it, there's some kind of weird segue where it goes from self-loathing to, wow, I really think this is something special, <laughs> you know, it, but there is that, that feeling is great. Having have written something is great. Um, the writing itself is, is I, I spend the whole time just banging my head on a table. So <laughs> But uh, but that's also really nice when you can when you can hand in you know a hundred pages of something that nobody has ever read before you know it's it's really that's a nice feeling too so there's something really rewarding about all of it um, but I mean if it all had to end tomorrow I'd probably be I, really it might be the writing I feel like maybe the the biggest rush is when something turns out really well that you've written I feel like that's the biggest high yeah it's kind of all the pieces finally come together it's just uh, finally. Yeah, and I think maybe it's because you spend so much time beating yourself up that you finally give yourself a break and, and you can you can really uh, you know you, and then you read it and you're like Matt this is something that's really if it, if you're lucky enough or it's really good you know and then other people are, are taking the same reaction to it I mean that really is it, it's it's really it's it's a, it's a it's a really nice moment. Do you have a favorite type of character to play or write about whenever you are involved in a film? Yes, and I think it might be the same type of character. Um, so it's a two for one on this answer. Um, you know, I, I kind of like the anti-hero. Um, I never like the the one where it's uh, where everything's too happy at the end. Um, I think I, I think the the characters I've always taken with have always been um, maybe your Marlon Brando type characters. Um, your Paul Newman. Paul Newman did made an art out of it where he could just be this almost a, just unlikable character that had so much redeemable qualities, you can't help but root for this guy. Um, I mean, if you look at The Verdict, The Verdict is one of the is probably one of the, the films where I, I feel like that might be one of the, one of the finer performances I've ever seen of all time. Um, he was really unlikable in that you were still rooting for him, but he just kept doing despicable things the whole time, especially towards the end. You know, I didn't like where he hit his female, the, the female character in that movie. 
and things like that. It's it's really tough to root for him. But he kept trying to make you think that he might be able to redeem himself. And I I, I always take to those type of characters because it is it's a, it's a mission. You know, can you turn everyone who might not like you or maybe even be skeptical of of your character and, and then make them uh, redeemable at the end where people maybe might be rooting for you a little bit. It's kind of like the more three-dimensional characters that have like um, more than yes, I'm a good guy or I'm a bad guy, kind of like an in-between stage. Yeah, and you're not quite sure. And that's and that's uh, and there's something very compelling about those characters. Um, you're not quite sure. Marlon Brando, you know, <laughs> pretty much everything he's ever been in, I was never quite sure. And he, you know, he was really fantastic at doing that. Um, you know, and it's 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 really you look at that, and if they can do it right, you um, know, a modern example might be what a. Uh, George Clooney did in uh in Up in the Air, I thought that was really interesting. How he he went for you know he was a guy who kind of got off on firing people. You know he didn't really care. Um, he kind of got off on just being this just kind of one guy moving through, and everybody else was just an accessory to his lifestyle. And at the end, you kind of started to feel sorry for him. Um, I thought I thought that was a really modern day great version of how how that 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 could be played very well. And that's one of, one of my favorite movies like that is uh, Falling Down. It's from oh, the, yeah. The yeah, that's a great one, yeah. And, just, and that's almost the reverse up in the air where and, they started and, off kind of okay and then they went, and then they just, went somewhere else. He's just it. an asshole to everybody but because he's just trying to get home to see his daughter for her birthday, like you're like – or was it his son? I can't even remember at this point. Yeah. But it's just like, like come on, you you can make it. Yeah. And then just, you, just how they end it just – I. I the first time I saw the movie, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, how, great, how great was Michael Douglas in that movie, too? I think we take Michael Douglas for granted because I think we used to, we were just, we, we all kind of grew up just seeing him all over the place. And, and then our parents grew up seeing Kirk Douglas. Like, there's always been a Douglas in our lives. I think we sometimes forget how great he really, really is. And uh, I remember that it was the same movie, A Falling Down, where he's yelling about the hamburger. Look at it. Yeah. It's juicy. <laughs> and he's killing it. He was killing it. He was great in that. And then Chaos uh, just follows him. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and that's Joel Schumacher, who I think uh, – that was Joel Schumacher who directed that movie, I think, right? Falling Down? Um, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. Because that's an interesting thing where Joel Schumacher gets a lot of flack for Batman and things like that. But he does a nice piece where I think a guy is – you know, a, a kind of a tortured, a tortured soul type movie. He did the same thing with Colin Farrell in a phone booth later on. He does have an eye for that kind of thing. So, in defense of, of the great Joel Schumacher, <laughs> yeah, um, he can he can he can do a good piece like that. Yeah, it was it was directed by Joel Schumacher. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I love I love phone booth. Just that there are some movies that that really can do that. Just one one setting for the entire length of the movie and get it right. And Phone yeah. Booth is one of those very few movies that just, I mean, literally, it takes place around a phone booth for nine yeah. minutes. And, and you, his, entire, his entire subconscious kind of, it kind of just leaks out on the screen. It was really, a, really an interesting character piece. I love it when you can see a movie that could almost be a, a stage show, too. I mean, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't hurt that you've got, you know, the sexy Kiefer Sutherland voice, you know. Oh, yeah, right? Time. Yeah, he, he was in, he's scary anyway. And, uh, and then you had like Katie Holmes pop up and then it was, it was really, uh, it was, I thought it was really well done. And maybe, maybe is, uh, and Forrest under, Whitaker in I there. correctly. Was it, did the ending not sit right with us? Was it a little too happy? Oh, with, with, with phone booth. Oh no, no, it wasn't. Cause Kiefer was in the ambulance with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was awesome. That was an awesome ending. <laughs> no, that was great. Yeah. Again, that was Joel Schumacher. Yeah. It was a great piece. 
Could you tell us a bit about Parking Lot Films? How did you start this company and what kind of films do you guys produce? And uh, what kind of unique aspects does your company have when making film? Well, Parking Lot Films started one night. It was really, really late. And uh, I was I was doing stand-up comedy at the time. So you're, when you're doing stand-up or any live thing, um, your days are nights, your nights are days, like your whole schedule's messed up, you know? Um, so uh, what I was doing was I was trying to write up a one-act stage play. I had an idea called The Wrong Fortune Cookie. Um, it was basically about a guy who was just looking for anything to kind of give him, you know, some direction in life. And uh, he finds his wrong fortune cookie, and he takes it too literally, and he just goes down that rabbit hole. And uh, I wanted to make a one-act play. I thought a one-act play on stage would be really kind of fun to do. Um, So I went downstairs to a very cold basement in Frederica, Delaware, which is, uh, yeah, it's a a very small little place. Um, And it's just where I was at the time. So I wrote this play at about two o'clock in the morning and I had to put a label on it, you know, and I was, and I, with, with stand-up comedy, you have to copyright your stuff all the time. So I was like, well, I need to kind of copyright this under something. So I, I copyrighted under parking lot productions, um, which I figured because I was always driving somewhere and I always get an idea while I'm driving and just kind of thinking. Um, so I would always pull over and, and get the idea down somehow. And that was kind of it just was always in a parking lot somewhere you know? in, in america somewhere i was pulling over writing down some idea um so that was the idea of it and then the film part of it was i had this one act and i said instead of trying to get a stage and crew and lighting you know why don't i just try to put together a little crew and try to make a, a short out of this i'd um i just finished a a pilot and i think it was for showtime and i'd handed the script to the director calvin hill and he called me the next day, and he said, we should do this, but you should be the one who directs it. And everything else just kind of fell into place from there. <laughs> I was terrified. Um, and, but, you know, it was, it's just like when, you, you, know, when you, you read a book and how it, your, your imagination is kind of telling you how this book is going. You just want to make that real. You know, <laughs> you want to make what you have in your head happen in front of the camera. So we did that short film, and uh, it played Los Angeles, it played Vegas, it played India, which was really cool, it played New York. Um, and, uh, and that's, it, that was pretty much no looking back at that point. Um, we'd realized that we had the power to get these little things seen without having to, uh, to get in line, you know, with, uh, with agents and managers and, and, and try to play the game. And I have definitely have played the game. I'm not trying to think that I'm some kind of rebel. Um, cause I, <laughs> believe me, I play that game too. Um, but, uh, I could do things without having to get permission. And I think sometimes that's, that can be very freeing. Um, you can just go and you can get a small crew together and get a couple locations and, and just, you know, maybe a, a little script that you can shoot. And, uh, and you can make something. And you make something that people really appreciate. And uh, that's kind of how we did that. That was the first kind of foray into this. Um, eventually, with a, uh, later, what we decided is we wanted to start making just films that maybe people hadn't thought about but maybe, maybe would like to see. There was a whole film I did in Lime. Like, that was crazy, right? Like, the whole script was done, and everybody was rhyming except for one guy because it was one of those days where that guy just didn't feel like he was he was part of it. You know, you wake up on those days where you just feel like some days you're just not – things are not going right for you. Everybody spoke in rhyme on that day except for this character. Um, so, I mean, I'm not sure that's a movie that would be able to get made anywhere else. Um, but we made it. You know, so it bombed, but we made it. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's the it's the freeing aspect of trying to be able to tell some interesting stories. Um, I mean, we did a movie about Ryan Leaf, the football player who, 
you know, he played for five years in the NFL, but he bottomed out. But it was a neat character piece. And we got a really great cast on that. So it's, it's those things where you can kind of tell stories that maybe wouldn't be necessarily mainstream stories, but they are stories that we can get done and people can see them and really appreciate them. And I think that's kind of what Parking Lot Films is all about. Very cool. So your recent film, The Other Ripkin, has played in several film festivals. Could you tell us a little bit about this film, um, place, the basic plot or idea behind it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was growing up, I, uh, I collected baseball cards. Um, I grew up right near Philadelphia. So, uh, so we had the Phillies, and we also had the Baltimore Orioles. And they were pretty close to where my town was. It was a place called Avondale, Pennsylvania. And uh, so there was this character... Bill, actually, it wasn't a character, it was a real life guy, Billy Ripken. He had this baseball card, and the baseball card came out. I mean, it's Billy Ripken, it's fine. He was Cal, his brother, Cal Ripken, is a Hall of Fame, all time great. Um, Billy is his brother, and uh, he, on this baseball card, he had the word. Are we, can we curse on the pot, or can we? Are we gonna yeah, say go ahead. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Okay, okay. Um, on the baseball card, and this is a real story, had the word fuck face written on the end of his bat. <laughs> okay, and so, so the the baseball card's great. It's Billy Ripken with this great grin, and the card got out. It got past all the censors, and uh, people went nuts over it. You know, and then if you look at what athletes do now, I mean, that is so it pales so in comparison to that. <laughs> you know, you have athletes who do the worst things in the world, um, but then here's this guy who wrote fuckface on his baseball bat, and everyone missed it. And it got out, and it became this whole thing. Um, I loved it. I thought it was very punk rock, you know? Um, there was a whole story that maybe it was a mistake, but I think uh, there are a couple stories about how that what really happened, how that got on that baseball bat. But uh, there was definitely a, a spirit to it, which I loved. And I never forgot about it. Just over the years, um, I just really, really enjoyed that that got out. And uh, I figured we'd make a little movie about it. But really, Billy Ripken is a good dude by all accounts. He just did this baseball card. So we kind of did a, a comic retelling of, of how what might have happened on that baseball card and why, why that baseball card might be the greatest thing to ever happen to uh, humanity. <laughs> so it's definitely a comedy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the way we told him, it's a story about a baseball card. It's crazy. Um, again, it's one of those things that we try to do here, you know. Um, but we got the film out, and um, we were so lucky that the first festival we sent it to was Cinequest, uh, which is this great festival in San Jose, California. And I got this unbelievable um, note from the festi- one of the festival uh, guys who were seeing it. His name is Chris Garcia. We wrote this unbelievable note, and uh, we screened it almost exactly this time last year. And uh, it was great. It was really, it's really had a great reaction. We've played all over the place. Uh, we've been so lucky with that. You know, we've been lucky to play um, California, and then we, we actually played a couple times in California, and then we played out in, um, you know, we've been able to play, where have we played? We've played everywhere. Um, I think we played in Canada, and then we played, uh, we got nominated for a couple of awards. It's funny when you can take something, like a silly idea that you have, write it down, and then people really, really enjoy it as much as you enjoy it. Um, and that's just been a really, really great feeling, and that's why it's been playing um, so frequently, I think we're playing Maryland again in a couple weeks. I'm not sure when this is going to air, um, but we play April 1st in uh, Hagerstown, Maryland, the Maryland International Film Festival, um, which is great because Billy Ripken is, is based in Maryland. So it's kind of almost like a homecoming of, of the story. 
So uh, I just hope people enjoy Maryland as much as everyone else has been. Sounds awesome. Sounds like uh, definitely a unique concept, to say the least. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. What qualities do you think make up a great film? And could you give us some examples of films that you would consider great? Yeah, absolutely. I um I think the word great, and I it's funny because uh, I just helped out on a film with uh, the great Bob Hawke who discovered Clerks and Brothers McMullen and all of that. And he would have this conversation all the time. What is great? You know? Um, what's a great movie, you know? And I think it's, I think it's anything where it makes you feel comfortable. Like I think great is, is, is up to you. You know, if you think weekend at Bernie's is great, Hey, let it be great. Um, I think for me, I think a great film is when it all comes together. I think great writing, it's a perfect storm, the great writing, uh, great acting, great directing, and it all just collides at one time. Um, I think for me, a great movie is my left foot. You know, you've got Daniel Day-Lewis. Basically, anything Daniel Day-Lewis is going to be in is always going to be really interesting to watch. Um, but, I mean, here's a guy who can't, who could only move his left foot for half of a movie, right? And it's a great story. It's a true story. Great actors. Um, great directors. Tony Sheridan. Tony Sheridan, I think. And uh, it was great. It was terrific. It was a great flick. Um, you know, and but, I mean, I don't want to just throw those out there it's so easy to say like things like the godfather and of course that's a great movie um but i mean if you look at if you look at maybe martin scorsese's gangs in new york i thought that was a really uh i thought it was a great flick i thought it was just epic with bloody and crazy and unnerving and also daniel day lewis i should probably think of another actor <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but i mean you know it's i think it's i think it's all needs to just come together um i was talking to my wife today and i, I was i was genuinely disappointed that bill murray never won an oscar for what about bob right because yeah it's a comedy but it tells a great story it was funny uh greatly great directed richard dreyfus was great bill murray was fantastic um you know it's 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 a comedy and a really silly comedy but would somebody like sean penn be able to do what bill murray did in that movie and sean penn's won a bunch of oscars um you know it, i think i think that was a great performance uh, by Bill Murray, um, and I think there's, I think, I think comedy is overlooked all the time with that. Um, I don't know if you guys are Nutty Professor fans. I'm a big one uh, with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy plays his entire family, right? That's, yeah. that's great acting, right? That's great, and uh, he was great in that. Um, but I think I it really, it's 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 subjective, you know. Of course, Eddie, but it, if it is great, let's talk about it. You know, if I don't think it's great, convince me why it's great. Um, and I, 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 hopefully that's a conversation that that's still being, being, being had. I want to make sure people are telling each other what's great and why they should see something. Definitely. That's kind of why we do the show. We find, um, kind of low budget films and talk about whether it was great or not and what was good about it and what was bad about it. But it's always good to have like, conversations like that. I love that. I have a couple. I'm, I'm going to send you guys one. Well, uh, speaking of that, one. what um, do you have any movies that are guilty pleasures for you? You know, films that most people think are bad or just they're really underappreciated. Oh my gosh, so many of them. Yeah, I love I love Point Break. Um, not the remake one where they try to do, be serious. Like I love Keanu Reeves in Point Break and Patrick Swayze in Point Break and there's two Red Hot Chili Peppers in Point Break. Um, the movie's fun. It's fun the whole time. And that's uh, Catherine Bigelow, who's won an Oscar for The Hurt Locker. Um, but uh, it's great. It's, it's beautiful to watch. It's a beautifully shot film, you know. Um, it's 
surfers, they're bank robbers. It's great. It's so good. Um, I always love a, a, a good uh, a good comedy. I'm not sure what uh, I watched. Uh, what did I watch recently? Oh, Get Into the Greek with Russell Brand and Jonah Hill. And every time that's on, I will stop and watch it because I do laugh at it. <laughs> it gets me to laugh every time. Um, but there, yeah, there's so many guilty pleasures I love. Uh, Weekend at Bernie's makes me laugh every time. It's the second time I've mentioned Weekend at Bernie's on this. It's strange. It's a great film. <laughs> it's funny because I was just talking to Paul about Weekend at Bernie's earlier today, and I haven't mentioned that movie in like months, if not years, <laughs> to anybody. And then we mentioned it twice in this. Um, but no, it's funny. It's it's so silly, and it's 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 a funny movie. It's 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 funny, and um, there's there is a. It's even funnier. People like. There's a school of people who love Weekend at Bernie's too because Bernie's dancing the whole movie. Um, for me, that lost me a little bit. I just Weekend at Bernie's is really fun. Well, and think about Weekend uh, at Bernie's like like today. Like that concept wouldn't work because like what made that movie really funny was just like how he just happened to be around things that were making music. You know, today the guys would just like pull out their phone and just be like, okay, he's he's walking, he's dancing, he's grooving along, whatever. Exactly. That would be no. I, I like what you're goal. saying right now. I think we need a remake of Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I would love to see it yeah, with, with iPhones and oh my gosh, that would be so funny. YouTube, oh, it would be great. People like he would be he'd get on there and be like dancing, maybe dancing on YouTube. It'd be get like twenty thousand. Oh, it would be great. It would. It, that's that movie needs a remake. I think we need Tom Selleck as Bernie this time. He's he's the only oh. one with the mustache capable. Yeah, that's a good mustache. No, I agree with you completely on that. Uh, Kevin Klein has been known to bust out a good mustache from time to time, too. So if Tom turns this down, I think we should go to Kevin Klein with it. Um, but I, I would love to get the two. I would love to get Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Sullivan back for it. <laughs> and, and just let the magic happen again. Let, let's do it. Just see what unfolds. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other guilty pleasures I'm going to think about as soon as we're done. Um, but there's so many. There's so many I love to watch. I mean, there's times where um, American Psycho was on the other night. I was like, I'll just see what scene it's in. I ended up watching the whole thing. I just, you know, there's a great thing where Christian Bale's talking about Huey Lewis in the news while all this other debauchery is happening. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a crazy flick. Nothing beats Christian Bale naked running through the hallway with a chainsaw. With a chainsaw, and don't forget the white sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Except the white sneakers. I, was, I, like I, said, I just saw this like Wednesday night, maybe Thursday night, and uh, I was like, "This really holds up." It's a really, it's a, it's a very unnerving film, uh, but it holds up. It holds up. It's a, it's, it's a really interesting flick. And that's, I, th- I'm not sure if they just turned it into a stage production or if they turned it into a musical too. But I know there is a live production of it. I heard that too. I think yeah, I think it might be on Broadway, maybe off Broadway, um, but it makes sense, you know, in this day and age. Still, I mean, that was the '80s Wall Street, but I mean, you still have these, you know, after this 2008 stock market meltdown and things like that. I mean, a story like that is still very relevant. I mean, not necessarily running around with a chainsaw, but like <laughs> the whole like lot of a of a of a Wall Street guy feeling very, uh, you know, very too similar to everyone else. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one, yeah. What advice would you give to someone who wants to create their own independent film? Just do it. It doesn't have to be great out of the gate. We're not all Paul Thomas Anderson, you know? <laughs> um, you know, where uh, even if you listen to, like, Eddie Burns, who has some movies I really, really love, talks about, I think his first movie was something called Hey Sco, and he said he's never going to release it because all he sees are mistakes. Um, I just think nowadays you know with iphones and there's lighting and 
And there's a lot, there's a lot on there where you, it, it's easier to make a film than it's ever been. Um, so if you have an idea, please just do it. You know, try to find some like-minded people uh, on a Reddit board or some, some cities have film, like film boards. I know we have one in Philadelphia. It's film.org. Um, which, by the way, Philly must have been like the first person on the internet to get film.org. Um, but, um, you know, try to find like-minded people um, that have your vision, though. Um, it's tough to make a comedy if everyone else doesn't think what you're doing is funny. Um, try to find people with the same sense of humor um, because it, it will flow a little better. If you have an editor who doesn't understand your humor, it's it's going to get lost. Your, your message is going to get lost in the shuffle or it's going to make a couple awkward editing meetings and you don't want to do that um you want to just make sure you just just do it just try to get out there and just do it um there's great festivals out there and it's in in, in major cities i know in, in philly there's they have an open not like an open mic night but like an open screen night so if you're struggling with something if you want to get a couple minutes of it on the screen where you can have a full audience that's watching it you can um there's a million resources that you can use just Keep asking for them and trying to find them. They're not all readily available to you, but they are there. Um, but yeah, just just keep at it. Just keep at it. The first script I wrote was a. Uh, um, it had interest, right? It had interest, and what I did is I tried to be everything to everyone, and that was definitely the wrong thing to do. Um, I'd go in and I'd have meetings with agents, and I'd leave there excited, but then they would send me notes. Well, we think this should happen. We think this should happen. So I said, sure. So I would throw that and I'd throw that in and then I'd have another meeting with an actor while I, you know, and they liked it, they liked it and like, but no, it should happen, this and this and this. So I would just listen to every single thing and take every single note like it was gospel and I threw it in there. And it ended up being a script that actually had a little buzz for a minute. It ended up being this bloated 200 page mess with no direction. Um, so really just have a thought, have a direction, have a point A to point B and how to get there and, and go tell your story because everyone's got a great um, everyone's probably got their own great stories in their head somewhere, you know, their own unique point of view. Uh, let people see it. People deserve to see it. You deserve to be the ones to tell it to them. Definitely. Now, something that's become part of Paul and I's story is um, our, our debate on a long-going subject, and uh, we like to get everyone's opinion. Oh, so, good. So we want to know, what do you think about hairless cats? <laughs> How long has this conversation been going on? couple years now a couple years um i my choice i'm looking at my cat right now he <laughs> is an overweight happy fluffy cat sometimes you just want to pet a little fur man sometimes you just want to pet some fur that said cats and dogs and human beings everyone deserves love right yeah can't argue that one the, yeah so sometimes it depends on you like i like to go and i like to i i like to pet a cat you know i don't have a pet lizard because I like a furry cat that I can ruffle. You know, I have a dog where I can pet her belly. Because um, you can just ruffle that fur, man, right? But not everybody needs that. Not everyone's me, right? And, and hairless cats need love, too. Yeah, I, Corey, Corey loves I, fur, I think they're adorable. Like, <laughs> for me, hairless cats are proof that... Fur you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for I like me. it. I love it. I, I love it. Yeah. Keep that in. But, uh, yeah... For me, I just see that I see a hairless cat. And I think, man, we have gone way too far at science. We just need to move back a little bit. I, I always compare it to that in um, Jurassic Park when they're like, "Well, was this ethical to to bring dinosaurs back? Have we gone too far? What have we done?" It's like that's hairless cats to me. It's like, man, we got to go back because like we're messing with nature too much, and this is just wrong. Yeah, but you know, the people have uh, people have like big lizards and snakes. 
You know, they love it, right? Snakes freak me out. Like, I try, I, I've tried. They like, the way they move, and it's just like, ugh, right? But people love snakes, and snakes need love, right? So let it happen, right? There's never, I will never ever fault anyone for putting too much love out there, right? That's if true. you love your hairless cats, man, love them, right? I love my big, goofy, fat, furry cat over there and my cranky old furry dog. But you know what? That's me, right? We all need love, right? Hairless cats included. That's a good point. <laughs> so are there any other projects that you or your company are currently working on that you'd like to tell us about real quick? Yeah, always, always, always. I'm working on um, a short documentary. Oh, actually, a couple documentaries I'm working on. I feel like documentaries take forever to do because you always go back to them because the story is always unfolding. Um, but I, I'm, I'm doing one called Philly on a Sunday. And um, what I did is during uh, some of the protests, uh, I just thought it was really interesting to get some point of views on, on how everyone's just dealing with the, the, the world right now, with the world events and who's allowed in and who's not allowed in. And uh, I went out and I brought a couple cameras and, and sat. And I just got some really interesting points of view. You know, I saw some great signs and there's some great people. And uh, I just wanted to get into that a little bit. Um, and then I, uh, I'm, I'm currently in pre-production on something called Bartender Song. Um, again, this is something where um, I always have bigger, like a, a big you know, things that need network attention or, or, or film, film production attention. Um, but this, they can take a long time or they can fall apart. You know, there's too much permission. You know, we have your, you know, your own people that are like, we need to get so-and-so involved, and then, then these agents need to get involved, and then producers need to get involved. I figured what I was going to do with Bartender Song is kind of make it my own. Um, um, you guys ever see Jim Jarmusch's Coffee and Cigarettes? Um, no. It was basically Sounds little vignettes. Little vignettes that kind of worked as one flowing narrative. And uh, I figured that would be something that we could shoot a little easier, um, where we could incorporate... Uh, a bunch of stories and a bunch of great actors, a um, few minimal locations, and tie it all together um, because it's one night at the country club, you know, like this big, spacious country club where we could shoot at all these different bars and all over the country <laughs> where we could just, you know, and that could be another, you know, a room in this country club. Um, and we, all the stories will intersect, and we're going to try to do all of that. Um, we got some really interesting people involved. we got some great stories that we want to tell. Um, we're, it's early on in pre-production on that. Um, but, but I'm excited about it. I'm excited about telling that story because I did bartend at the country club for a while. And, uh, it, it's neat the way everyone would kind of interact because it is all these worlds just intersecting. Um, you know, you have doctors that are hanging out with gardeners and it's just everyone, it's everyone's, it's kind of just like a melting pot. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting, uh, dynamic to explore a little bit. Definitely. It's, it kind of sounds like your uh, company and your, the films you make, it seems like you experiment with different styles of film. That's, that's really a cool idea. It's like um, you don't really stick with one style. You kind of see like all like what other films do and like how you can kind of experiment with that. Oh, well, th thank you for saying that. I think it's uh, I, I just think it's the important thing is just being able to tell a story that people can connect with. Um, I think uh, um, whether it's about a baseball card or a football player or just a crazy night at the country club, um, you know, there's, there's stories to be told there. You can lift up those rocks and see what's under there and tell those stories. Um, I think you know, I was always impressed with, uh, Ang Lee, right? Cause you can think of Ang Lee movies, but there's not a, a, a thing that makes them Ang Lee movies. You know, Ang Lee makes a Hulk movie, Brokeback Mountain, and then Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I mean, those aren't in order, but I mean, like those are the types of movies, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to them. They're just really interesting stories. And that's really inspiring to me. Where, you know, if, if, if there's a story to tell, let's try to tell it. You know, let's just try to, 
try to throw convention out the window and, and just really try to make a go of, of maybe getting the story out there. It might be something that maybe means something to someone. Definitely. There's like no really wrong way to tell a story. It's just kind of how, um, if it's told well, like you'll find some films that are almost about like nothing. Like you look at Seinfeld, it's a show about nothing, but it's so good because of the way it's told and the way like the characters are and the way it's, it's just amazing how like you can tell a story that's pretty much about nothing, but if it's told the right way or the right format and the right media, it, it can be amazing. Absolutely. I mean, the same that what they're doing right now in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I had to double check because apparently they wrapped their 12th season. It didn't feel like that show's been around for 12 years. Um, but they're doing the same type of thing where it's it's a dynamic. It's it's a character. You care about these characters. So once you buy in on these characters, you're going down those roads with them, you know, whether it be Seinfeld, you know, where it's a story about you know pretzels making Guy Thirsty or, you know, Sunny in Philadelphia, which is, you know, I mean, there's it, there's a it, it's there's a million different. You know, ways you'll go down those roads with these guys if you believe in the storytelling. And I think that's probably the most important part of it. Just tell those stories. Definitely. One of our favorite shows here is, um, you ever see the show Trailer Park Boys? I hear it's great. Everyone's telling me to watch this. I'll, I'll watch it tonight. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, just, just to warn you, the first season starts off pretty slow and okay. you want to hate yourself for continuing to watch like the first three episodes. <laughs> Okay, but once it gets to the second season, it really picks up. Really but great! No, everyone's it's... telling me about it. I I've got to see it. It's definitely it's now completely on. It's it's now on my list. I'll I'll start watching tonight. First season's only like six episodes though. And oh, I really love that. Episodes. We can just get through those quick and knock those out yeah. real quick, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's another one where it's like the characters you just kind of like them because you get to know all their little idiosyncrasies and everything. And it's not really about much. It's just about these guys living in a trailer park and schemes they have, but. It's a lot that's of fun. Great. That sounds fantastic. Um, yeah, well, that's you know, I work with um, with, with in, in New York with Upright Citizens Brigade, and that's something similar. Where it's, um, I mean, really, you don't know, even know what you're going to tell. It's so improvised. Where somebody, an audience member, will throw an idea out there, and then you're going to tell a monologue based on that idea, and then there's going to be about a half an hour of sketch comedy following that, all based on that idea. So you have no idea what you're walking into. Um, but you better think quick because you want to make sure that, that you're being funny and getting these stories together really, really fast. Um, but that's another thing where it's like, you know, you, 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 there have been times where I'll come home after shows and be like, I just talked about, you know, a cat for 30 minutes, which is, again, another another topic we're revisiting. <laughs> you know, like, you know, where all of a sudden you're playing a character that's just trying to give all these cats away, you know, and they, all of a sudden you have to make that believable and relatable and funny um it's just it's just a matter of getting the audience just interested enough um to to go down that path with you and that if you can do that if you can do that successfully it it doesn't get any better than that definitely so where can we follow you to learn more about parking lot films and all your future projects i uh I'm. I, everyone tells me I should go on Instagram too. Should I do that one too, guys? Should I do Trailer Park Boys and Instagram? Um, I uh, I am on Twitter at uh, at Parking Lot Films, and uh, me personally, I'm a Tim underscore Car, and uh, but I also I'm also we have a site uh, ParkingLotFilms.com where uh, you know we have blogs and we have links to everything, and and uh, we're just you know I'm really open with 
with what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. So even if you, know, you might see a blog at two in the morning where it's like, I hate myself, I'm writing and nothing's funny, you know, or nothing's good. You know, it's, it's, uh, but you know, it's, 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 I try to make it as interactive as possible. And I'll follow everybody back on Twitter. I follow everybody back on Facebook. Um, I just believe in, in everyone's being able to talk to each other freely because, you know, I, I'm, if people are interested in my stories, I'm interested in theirs too. Um, so, you know, I'll, I will be a complete social media hoe and uh, be happy to just, 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 just follow every single person back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just happy. I'm just happy to, just happy to be part of it. It's a good way to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. B movie fans, parking lot films, an awesome independent film company run by veteran filmmaker, Tim Carr. Tim, thanks for joining us today. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much, you guys. It was really nice of you guys taking the time with me today. Thank you.